Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode nine as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as JeppyDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Thanks, Pete. Uh, how was your Christmas and early January vacation? Yeah, well, good. Back back to work, as, as many are, and in the swing of things, my friend. We are starting to prepare for the open of AFL Fantasy. We will and truly are. We got... Uh, pretty much all the price reveals done now and um the you know my excel spreadsheet's looking looking heavy with some numbers and i can now solidify and see how i fare against this 13 million dollar salary cap that we've got and no it's a it's a nice way to wind down after a day's work just spending an hour on the laptop and writing some notes doing some rookie research as i love to do and um yeah afl fantasy pre-season is, is uh, in full swing. On this episode, Jeff and I are going to discuss the preseason so far, so it's going to be a pretty casual podcast, but these are the things that we have encountered throughout the preseason. Let's kick it off by starting with the Gorn and Grundy ruck combination and benefits and restrictions. My thoughts are the buy structure is a benefit for not starting Gorn, not being restricted to max 20 players in round 13. Finding other rucks with value, like Jacobs, Nat Nui, or English, or maybe even starting O'Brien could also be a benefit. Your thoughts there, Jeppo? Yeah, well, so we've got this rule change, effectively, with only one ruck bench. Um, so that sort of changes my my view. I've, I've been thinking about it. We, we did speak about it on one of our previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got more coverage now. We've got more coverage for Grundy and Gorn. We are in a better position than last year to use Grundy and Gorn as a starting point, even through the buy round. So for me, I, I'm weighing up the value of Jacobs, O'Brien. I'm not going to even consider Nick that. I think it's just too high risk because even a little corky will see him spend a week on the sidelines. They're going to protect him and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um so likely Jacobs at this point, way more value presented than um, Grundy and Gorn in terms of potential and, and, and cost increase. So, yeah, it's a matter of um, working through the other lines to see what I can maximise because we both know and we both agree that Grundy and Gorn are top two rucks and they're going to finish mm-hmm. the top two rucks by season end. It's just at what point do we own both rucks and... Um, well, is it going to benefit us? And I, I start getting um, a bit cheeky and thinking of not starting Grundy, you know, going against the norm. We've got 90% of AFL fantasy diehards are going to have Grundy in there as their R1. You know, it, it, would it be a massive coup and advantage and a risk at the same time not starting with Grundy um, and going Gorn and Jacobs, for example? Because, um, you know, $906,000, that's a hefty price. Mm to be paying for one player but uh, lots of options anyway uh, does Rolly O'Brien interest you at all he does and he doesn't I um, I don't think Riley O'Brien will be a top two ruck I, I considered for me if I'm going to not go if I'm going to go against the top two I'm going to do it for value mm-hmm. and I don't believe Rory O'Brien presents value so no the um, he definitely interests me at this stage. I've got him um, on my high watch list of plays to take instead of Max Gorn. One of those other players, obviously, is is Sam Jacobs as well. He offers tremendous value down there, sitting at a decent price there. Yeah, look, Jacobs is pretty hard to ignore, but a lot has to go right. And um, I'll ask you this, Pete: is you know when you sign a seven-year deal worth God knows how much, do you, do you sort of, you know, go at 90% now? Do you sort of take that half step foot off the accelerator and sort of relax a little? And will that transpire on the footy field? Interesting question. If it was coming up to a contract year, I'd be more bullish on Grundy. Of but course. Ha- but having signed that contract, I mean, I see it in American sports every day. Once that player signs their big contract... You know, it, it, especially in baseball, I mean, the the, the performance can drop off um, quite a bit uh, yep. because they've got the guaranteed money. I'm not too sure in AFL circles that particularly applies. 
Uh, Grundy's still in his prime, and I still think his average of about 120 will be maintained. I don't see a significant drop-off here. Okay. Yeah, food for thought for for us and all coaches. I think um, it's it's got to be considered, and it's, and it's just, you know, it's past my mind. I might, I might be co- um, coaching myself out of him um, in a way and trying to convince myself that... Um, so, you know, so your chance here of fading Grundy at round one? Yeah. Yeah, massively. Wow. From price, value, and, you know, if I look at all the data, like signing his new contract, and I know I don't t- – Grundy is a minimum – you know, he's still going to produce 100-plus. Um, but, you know, is that 20 – is that extra 100 grand worth it? I'm just so, fading with options. So if you faded Grundy at round one, would you be then starting Mexico on a definite? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm not saving huge dollars, you know. Yep. I'm going from not eight twenty six to well, look, it does add up, and this is the thing. And I'm been working options of so we've got nine oh six for Grundy and eight twenty six for Gorn. Mm-hmm. So that's eighty k that we can use elsewhere potentially. Now, if I can add, you know, across the other lines, if I can use that eighty to good, put it to good use, sure, then I'll I, I'd very much consider it um but look i think like i said we all know grundy and gorn are going to be the top two rucks we're all going to get there one way or another for me if i start jacobs you're pretty much committed to jacobs to after the buy rounds mm-hmm. so how many points am i losing out what's it costing me i'm sort of looking at it from a dollars and and points point of view so yeah, again, I, I've got a history, Pete, of overthinking it um, mm-hmm. at this time of year, but that's a, that's a love of AFL fantasy pre-season, isn't it? The potential restriction, obviously, I was just beginning this discussion talking about not starting Gorn, but the, the potential restriction is to lose significant points. If you're thinking Grundy, well then if Grundy exceeds expectation is that you're going to be missing out plenty of points, but it depends what you're going to make on the other end of not starting Gorn or even Grundy is that what what can you make up in other areas of the ground that potentially might surpass that decision? Yeah, and typically I, I'd look at it, I'd look at the additional funds and say, all right, am I going to turn a mid-pricer into a primo? So if I use the 80K between Grundy and Gorn as an example, effectively they're going to average within 10 points of each other per game, Grundy and Gorn. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be swings with it. So I, I can utilise an extra 80K. I can potentially turn a mid-pricer into a primo, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, so why wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you have less risk? So if I took it, if I'm going to, let's be semi-specific here, and I'm probably giving too much away with my team, but if I took Blakely and Grundy, versus Gorn and, say, Darcy Byrne-Jones. And I, I can, I've i got Darcy Byrne-Jones high on my list this year. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got Houston on their list. I've got Darcy Byrne-Jones on my list. Mm-hmm. Now, I consider I'm – let's think Byrne-Jones is primo, primo defender, top six defender. What would you prefer? Would you prefer Gorn and, and, and Byrne-Jones or Grundy and Blakely? I don't have Burn Jones on my watch list whatsoever. Oh, he'll be on there now. But um, yeah, look, that—that's what I'm looking at. I, 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 that's what I'm considering, and that's a, probably a semi-good example. Yeah, I could let's okay, let's use Hooley as an as the mm-hmm. as the primo. So Gorn and Hooley, or Grundy and Blakely. Mm. So, well, you look. So- I look at it from a two-player point of view. You know, if um, absolutely, absolutely, I do too. But the the one thing I would be interested in fading Grundy at is that I would need to preempt an actual price drop. The one thing I would be, and I'm almost certain to lock in Grundy at round one this year. The one thing that I want to cover off early in the season is multiple captain options early in the season yeah. when, when we don't have that many premiums. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree. I want four to five, maybe even six premiums, and that'll be on any one week that I'll have multiple options to choose as captain. 
And especially yeah. when we go through the loophole of the Thursday night games, is that potentially I'll have one the Thursday night, and if I don't lock that score, then I can lock in the Grundy option the following game, potentially. Yep, good call. Great call. Like, couldn't agree more. And that's, you know, and not having Grundy as a captain option really could burn the non-owners. Um, you know, the ruck pig. He's a ruck pig for a reason, isn't he? So... Yeah, look, I um, still a lot to work through, but like I said, plenty of options. And and for the listeners out there, I I look at it in a two player sort of comparison instead absolutely. of one one v one. The absolutely the one thing that we need to focus in on here for our listeners is that uh, Jeff and I are discussing overall classic uh, winner, uh, and that's our target audience, and this is what we're potentially discussing. So. When we're talking well in excess of over 100,000 people playing the game, you need to be that one fantasy player that finishes number one. Now, I suggest there's five to 10, maybe even 15,000 people that can win over AFL Fantasy overall and they have the knowledge and skill set to do so. You need to be that one person and how you, how you can be that one person is potentially making uh, probably the biggest call of the year at fading Grundy at round one. But for me, I would need to see a, uh, a preemptive price price drop, and I just can't see it at this stage. So for me, I'm locking in Grundy at round one. Yeah, and I'll, look, I'll, we'll, I think we'll leave it with that. The one thing I do want to just put out there is um, Sam Jacobs' start to the year, mm-hmm. and we're all going to assume he's um, he's round one. Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry, I'm just trying to run it up at the same time. So Geelong. Round one, no, 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 yeah, no noted um, rucks at Geelong. Stanley. He's got, yep. yeah. So, but he should tail up Stanley in terms of hitouts. Correct. He should he should dominate it. Yep. Um, he's got Melbourne round two. So Gorn v Jacobs. That's going to be a tough ask. Mm-hmm. He's got the Bulldogs in round three. So potentially um, English in it amongst it. Um, it should be able to bully him around, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Round four, it's Essendon. Tom Bell Chambers, not the most um, close checking Ruckman around. Um, great tap Ruckman Bell Chambers, but, um, you know, Jacobs might get his hands on it a bit there. Um, so there's four, and then the fifth round is the Sydney Swan. So Cal Sinclair again, probably dominate him around the ground, but tap-wise, Jacobs should have his measure. So I'm, I'm tipping Jacobs in those first five rounds. Should have a pretty good start to the year other than Gorn in round two. So oh, yeah. that's all part of it. I'll, I'll leave it there. We, it's There's a lot to go under the bridge yet. Um, you know, we still don't know if Jacobs is the number one Giants ruckman. We all think he will be. We're all pretty sure and pretty certain he's going to be. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, it's it's a lot to consider, and we'll, we'll, as, as we get closer to round one, we'll, we'll get more defined um, data with it. I see a significant uh, price spike for Jacobs early in the season. Yeah. Uh, so it's just depending whether you want to make it Gorn or Grundy. Correct, but with the price spike, like I said earlier, you, you're committing to Jacobs to post-buy rounds. Mm-hmm, my, for sure. So can he maintain that price hike let's call it 100 150 grand um i think he can post by when when the crows were flying there he had uh, the ability to to have a massive ceiling sam jacobs in uh, adelaide winning games so i i'm predicting the giants will have a solid season next year and that's that's one player that can, that does have a ceiling that can start to spike heavily yeah agreed and it's becoming Pretty hard to ignore. I think so. Uh, pretty interesting question there. I'm, I'm actually quite surprised that you brought up Grundy, but uh, there's definitely me- has merit to it. It just probably is not going to be me. Yep, no, no problem. I, I, um, like I said, it's it's a two-player thing or even a three-player comparison. Like not having Grundy is going to cause me sleepless nights, um, mm-hmm. but it's definitely going to be abnormal. And if he starts the season slow, it could pay off. I can't wait to see your round one team. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be different. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, we'll move on to our second topic uh, for this podcast. Uh, key players that are returning from injury. Tom Mitchell, he wasn't the least bit convincing in his interview uh, last week. Uh, his comments were that he was tracking well and he started to slowly integrate into team training drills. And he didn't say he had a return to play confirmation date as yet. Um, he only started walking out of a moon boot late last year. It was a pretty significant injury. Uh, there is some pause to be concerned at this stage, Jep. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, there's a lot of concern here. A lot of concern. If he does, he needs to play at least two JLTs to um, to to in ideal peak fitness and um, in in the lead up to round one. And I don't think that's going to happen. The, the Hawks and the Saints are throwing in an extra practice match there. So uh, there are three games there. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, one of the preseason uh, registered regi- no, games. No, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, it's not JLC this year. It's something else, isn't yeah, it? The, um, Mar- the Marsh series. Marsh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so look, two two games, whether they practice matches or Marsh series games, is is a requirement for me. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't start. I, like, I want to start him. Um, but you know, as well as anyone that um, we just can't take under underdone players, even though they scream value, you just can't start the year with underdone players like that. It's it could it's equate to you know a couple of seventies, a couple of eighties to start the um, the season, and um, you know you can always jump on the jump on the bandwagon later when he when he heats peak fitness and form. Most people would have him locked in when AFL Fantasy opens. My suggestion would be to have Plan B ready just in case he, uh, he's not tracking as well towards the end of preseason. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm with you. Sam Doherty, he's in fantastic shape. He's completing most of his preseason. The comments were that he's uh, training as well as everyone, obviously back into full preseason training. Uh, that's from assistant coach Dale Amos in January. So at this stage, Sam Doherty is tracking well for return at round one, Jep. Chickity-boo. Great news. Loving it. He's um, he's going to be a popular pick this year. Again, if he gets through pre-season and, and some JLC games, um, you can't not go against him. Another player that is coming into consideration for his value is Callum Ward. Obviously did his uh, ACL earlier last season. And he is on track to complete a near full pre-season. He's priced in the low 70s. Is he some one player that might have an interest for you, Jeb? Yeah, look, there's, again, if, if you're up and about amongst the GDRS midfield, I suppose you're going to um, hit peaks and troughs in his scores. But there's definitely potential for him to at least plus, you know, average 20 above his, his starting price. Mm-hmm. So... We're thinking 90 plus there. So, again, mid-pricer. I put Ward in the mid-pricer category. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, definitely worth it, if, especially if some of these young rooks don't get up and, and get a game in round one. We're going to be turning to mid-pricers like Ward. And I can see his name on my watch list on my spreadsheet here, and he's, he ain't going anywhere in a hurry, let me tell you. Well, I'm pretty low on Ward. There's definitely upside there. But returning from an ACL injury... Uh, just got to wonder how committed the Giants will be to put him back full time in that midfield, and to play significant midfield minutes early in the season. Fair, that's fair. You know they could shelter him a bit on the half forward flank, or however they want to use him, and on the wings. And um, yeah, we don't know, do we? I guess we've got to track his his minutes in uh, the preseason games. If they're high, well, that might track to yes, they are going to use him at a, a high usage rate. Yep, fair. Yep. Another player that has grabbed our attention over the preseason is Mitch Duncan. He's currently in the rehab group at the Cats. Uh, he had to deal with an uh, AC joint at round twenty three last year. He had that knee injury in the finals last year as well, and he's had minor hip surgery in December. Obviously, once again, he's still in the rehab group. Here's one player that could impact our decision making for that Geelong midfield job. Yeah, so I don't. I look at that exactly. I look at that in the ter- in a roundabout way where I consider danger, jumping sixty eight vertical, whatever it was, and um, you know, no Mitch Duncan, veteran wingman for Geelong. If he's not there, 
more pressure or more um, more reliance on Dangerfield and, and Joel Selwood, who's another on the watch list. Mm, for sure. As we move on to our next topic, what is your process in setting your team over the preseason? So I suppose it just depends. We've got most of the prices out now, and obviously we can work averages to, to prices for the um, – the last Richmond team to be announced shortly, but um, look, I I've played a lot with it. I've got about eight tabs here with different lineups of different structures. Um, I'm constantly playing with it, trying to maximise my primos on field. And you know, you like earlier, like I see when I start a season, I look at the the lower value, sorry, the lower priced. Um, primos that I believe are going to be top six, top eight throughout the year and have big years, like Burn Jones. So Burn Jones is $640,000, mm-hmm. pretty pretty good value for a primo. Um, I consider him to be a top six defender, so I'm going to start with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 155 grand less than... Jake Lloyd, I'm not saying I'm not going to start with Jake Lloyd, but just to give a comparison. So trying to maximise the cheaper primos and, and maximise the number of primos and and have the least amount of books on my field effectively. That's the real aim. So we can cut it any which way. Um, you know, when you're going to spend an extra 300 grand for 300 grand for Jacobs v. Gorn, um, you can do that as one option, but then you take away elsewhere and what are you going to take away elsewhere? So, um, yeah, playing with options. So I don't really have a set and loved lineup right now. Um, probably if I were to draw to one team, I'd, I'd go with what I've got. If I yell it out for you, I've got four defender primos, one mid-pricer and one rookie. In all in my defence. Then my centre line is four and four, so four primos and four rooks. I've got two primos in my ruck, um, and then three primos, one mid price, and two rooks in my forward line. Mm. Um, and that's on paper. The more I look at it, I look at it now as I talk to you, the more comfortable I feel with this lineup. But a billion things are going to happen between now and round one. So I I don't know. Previous years, I've probably been notorious for saving over preferred teams and, and team lineups. And this year, I'm making a conscious effort of having, you know, I've got tabs on the bottom of my spreadsheet here, option one, option two, option three, just name, numbering them and, and having a little definition at the top of, of the layouts and, and lineups and seeing what I'm comfortable with and what, what I think will work. Our teams are going to be so different at round one. Oh, and that's good. That's good. I, I, I personally dare to be different. I, I aim to be a little different. Um, last year, it bit me in the ass because you know I didn't have Jake Lloyd, and you, you laughed at me, you know, and rightfully so. You, you know, you took the Mickey out of me for for that call. But again, it's like the Grundy decision this year. That's a similar sort of thing. I'm not saying I'm not going to start with Grundy, but it's what I. Went through last year, not starting Jake Lloyd. Um, and, yeah, and then Whitfield's another beast in itself. So <laughs> um, there were the two that I didn't start with last year that really bit me. Um, if anything, and we all know this by now, the, the diehards will know, you've got to absolutely 100% nail your primo picks. Mm. There is no... No doubt about it. So if you if you just if you've got a soft spot for Tom Mitchell, and yet he shows value at six hundred seventy nine grand, um, and then he starts the season with the seventy and eighty, and then meanwhile the coach next door, your best mates, you know, use utilize that cash better and and you know shuffled a few things around and turned Mitchell into Dangerfield, you know that's that's a huge huge difference. So. Um, yeah, look, uh, it, the structure of I don't. Uh, there's no right or wrong answer as far as I'm concerned. The one thing I do recommend is just limiting your number of pr- um, rooks on your field. 
the process for me uh, over the preseason is still tracking uh, along news as we go. Obviously, all teams have returned from the Christmas break, and we're starting to hear from the coaches and assistant coaches. That is the information that you want to pay attention to, especially for changing roles and obviously uh, job security and opportunity for the younger players. Uh, we'll move on to our next topic. How is your buy planning going? And what are your plans for in-season trading for the buy weeks? So like most years, Pete, I don't really pay as enough, enough to sort of dabble in at the moment without focusing too much on, on buy rounds and, and how mm-hmm. I'm structuring. Like, yes, I'll generally look at the primos and make sure not, you know, if my, all four of my primo mids have the same buy round, well, then I can't run with that. So, mm-hmm. But I'm, other than that, I'm generally not focusing too much on the buy rounds as the season gets in, you know, as we get into after rounds, there's always say round two is a fix-up trades leading up into round two. You probably have a couple of fix-up trades. And then from then on, rounds three, then I'm fully, like, planning buy rounds. Again, numbers on spreadsheets and, and working through that. Um, I... I see value as the most important part and, and nailing your primo picks is the second most important part. The DBP players uh, will have an increase in value due to the new utility position. I think uh, at round one, hopefully, that I can lock into uh, the utility position at DPP player. I think that will be of high value through those bye weeks. So for me, it's just starting to plan and, and having a thought process along those lines, uh, how to use it more beneficial over that buy period. Yeah, look, and I've got to still see the structure of when fantasy comes out and, and we, we roughly know the utility perks, but do we know them all? I don't know. Um, yeah, so that, that will... Having that utility makes the buy rounds a lot easier, a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. We'll move along to our next topic. Cash generation is critical early in the season. Early season increase in lower price players, targeting players that suffer salary drops. These are all things that Jepper and I will take you through in each week of the Plus 6 podcast throughout the season. Uh, what are your thoughts along those lines, Jep? Absolutely dead set critical. Like, couldn't um, you can't paint a picture better? But not just cash generation, quick cash generation. So, not not the slow burn. So, as a rookie advocate, you know, is um, you know ranking from Gold Coast. He's probably going to average fifty five, sixty in the earlier rounds. So he's a slow burn. He's a slow, slow burn where Hayden Young from um, Fremantle, although he's more, a lot more expensive, he's going to average a lot more and he's, his price increases a lot more. Marlon Pickett, obviously basement priced, the best cash generation rookie that will be available this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so avoiding the slow burn rooks and the slow burn... Um, you know, even primos, like, we'll go back to Tom Mitchell again. If he starts slow, he's not going to earn much cash early on. Um, but I think we're all just putting Titch in the in the, um, in the the bracket of top eight mid and set and forget type scenarios. So, um, yeah, look, cash generation, big part of the reason, what's well, the only part of the reason with Sam Jacobs, really. Um, and others, you know, there's others around... I won't go through them. All my trade secrets probably gave away too many at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's not just cash generation, Pete. It's quick cash generation. The um, obviously, we, once we get towards the end of preseason, we will have a fair idea of what rookies will debut in round one. Uh, obviously, if rookies are very light on, we're going to have to cast a net uh, very wide on our rookies that we will start with at round one. Correct. Uh, moving on to our next subject, dual uh, ruck setups at each club. Currently, I have eight teams. Brisbane, they are Steph, Martin, Oscar McInerney. Fremantle, you have Sean, Darcy, Rory, Lobb. 
Sean Darcy recently has suggested Lobb will play 60-70% to 70% forward this season. Hawthorne, Ben McAvoy, John Segler. Uh, last season, Clarko threw McAvoy into defence at round 23. He didn't score quite well, but there's one thought process heading into this year is that Will Clarko played Ben McAvoy in defence again in 2020. Port Adelaide, you've got Scott Lysett and Peter Laddams. Hinkley has suggested that both need to be playing well to play in the same team, which was quite interesting. Uh, Richmond, you've got Toby Nankervis and Ivan Soldo. St Kilda, you've got Rowan Marshall and Paddy Ryder. Ratton said he will be playing Ryder and Marshall in the same team, and who will start in the ruck position will be matchup based. At Sydney, you've got Cal Sinclair and the returning Sam Naismith. Uh, Naismith is tracking well for round one. He's actually priced at 284k. At West Coast, you've got Nick Nat Newey and Tom Hickey or Nathan Vardy as the second ruck. Uh, what are your thoughts on the dual ruck setups in 2020, Jet? Well, I had, you know, Nick's uh, now at Adelaide steering the ship there at the Crows. Mm-hmm. Is he going to throw an O'Brien and... You know, Elliot Himmelberg, as an example, as a pinch hitter. Is it, is it all O'Brien? It, I, what's the strategy that Nick's will take um, from his from his experience as an assistant coach? We we don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a risk picking a perceived risk picking O'Brien to start round one. Um, but yeah, look, Jewel, I don't think a lot's going to change. In the past, coaches. Are pretty set in their ways, um, and the majority, well, half, well, almost half the teams um, are starting with two rucks these days. So, yeah, look, Laddams doesn't offer us value in fantasy, although he's, you know, he, he sh- probably should be priced a bit cheaper than four hundred odd grand. Um, I don't see any value. Nothing sticks out at me here at all. Naismith is the one that sticks out for me, but 284k obviously is well above the 170k minimum. If Sinclair has any type of injury heading into round one, then Naismith becomes uh, quite valuable. I will be tracking uh, Naismith over the preseason, but finding an extra 114k uh, for your R3 uh, for him to sit on the bench, he will make money, but it's just, you know. Do you want to spend 284k for someone sitting on the bench? Yeah, not not really. Um, and I'll throw in another name at Sydney who who think Michael Knoll from um, from the Swans finished fourth in their time trial, I believe. Um, and you know, mature body, so he he might um, he might pick ahead of um, Nate Smith there. Mm. So and he is basement priced, um, being picked up in the mid season draft last year so um yeah look i i wouldn't do the extra coming back to your question i wouldn't put the extra spend on the bench absolutely not um i think you know we draper you're obviously going to hopefully come on mid-year and onwards after um the likes of potentially noel having a crack and and whatever else um yeah there's there's a bit of bit of um, eyeing out of what we need, but um, let's let's see what happens later in the year. One of the key areas to improve your fantasy game is tracking news. Using Twitter lists, uh, trusting reliable accounts only. These are valuable assets to your fantasy game, Jip. Oh, yeah. Look, for years, the first thing I do when I'm researching a player is I put his name in Twitter and see what comes up. You know how they're tracking preseason. Um, all the all the little news about time trials and fitness. You know, we we I strive personally to pick. No, I don't want any any player in my twenty two for fantasy with them that's had a, a niggle or a tough preseason. So, you know, Tom Mitchell gets a big cross at the moment. Um, but yeah, Twitter's Twitter's the best resource around, in my opinion. Understanding team news, what is reality and what is likely not? What impact does it have on other players? This is one thing that has been hollowed over the preseason. 
one player that I picked up that was thrown into the media spotlight was Jared Brander. Uh, one of the stock standard questions for media over the preseason is to ask a fellow teammate uh, which players are starting to stand out in preseason. When Andrew Gaff was interviewed last week, uh, he mentioned his old, old mate Jared Brander, and all of a sudden that became a news headline the next day. Jep, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, it's it's a funny one. Um, Brand is obviously a fantastic young player, um, and he's been starved of opportunity given this um, settled lineup of West Coast. But look, it's it's the Tomlinson move putting a big on a wing. It could work. Will it work? Is it a likely option? Yeah, Chris Marston's out of the. You know, not in the, not there anymore. There is a, arguably a spot available, um, but I just take out Mars and put Tim Kelly in, and and you know she goes to a wing or what, whatever happens um, in the structures. But yeah, look, it's it's funny. Those little this is where the the white noise and and the hype and we get caught up in in. Um, especially as AFL gets promoted and, and is written upon and reported a lot more in these coming weeks up until the Marsh series. You know, there's going to be the hype after, you know, after round one of Marsh when, you know, Brander does play in a wing and gets 20 possessions. Imagine the fantasy world after that. But I can tell you as a West Coast fan, I wouldn't be surprised if I see Brander on a wing um, for the majority of the season here in 2020. I guess the strange, stranger I, things have happened, mate. I guess the point there is is that the media go to interviews and they need uh, either an angle or they need just a story coming out of a press conference. Now, that's not pushing on media, but from a fantasy perspective, it's potentially uh, to have uh, non-impact on what we are thinking. For a journalist or someone interviewing a player to ask it, specific question or a general question and when the old mate Andrew Gaff throws out Jared Brander all of, all of a sudden that becomes a front page article the next day for me that is almost bordering totally irrelevant yep yep fair fair, fair but people do get caught up in it and um, you know that- I've I've got a I've got big letters across the top of my um spreadsheet here is um, don't get sucked up into the hype and it more applies for primos for me because what happens is I do all this research with no no real um, study into I've still got 2019 fresh in my mind and and I, I set my primos about now and I'm pretty pretty locked in on them not not all of them but most of them and they go I get caught up in the hype of others and then I go oh do I take out you know, Keneally and I, do I put in Dangerfield because he's doing a 68 vertical jump, you know, all, all that sort of crap. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got to trust our, our knowledge as, as um, fantasy coaches and we know a lot of roles for, for most of our players other than the rooks. We, we've got a good idea of how, you know, Robertson's going to go at St Kilda if he if he's raring to go for round one as an example. Um, you know, it's the game we've got to simplify the game of fantasy sometimes, and 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 media. Sorry, and media can can cause a bit of a stir. Yeah, and that's not pushing on the media, but we need no, to, no, no, no. we need to be sharper as fantasy coaches to process what information is important and what imp- information is irrelevant. Now, for me, that I watch, went back and watched that press conference with Andrew Gaff and old mate Gaffy just giving a shout-out to his mate, and that's pretty much all it was. Yeah, yeah I believe that. Uh, moving on to something that is quite relevant and not specifically about the player that I'm going to talk about next. It is what is actually more important to fantasy coaches. And the player that we're talking about is Dan Houston. He's been sounded out uh, in December and he's also been sounded out this week by Michael Voss to increase his midfield usage. Uh, this is the type of information that we need. And backing up from last year where Port Adelaide were actually quite honest in what they were doing with their team, this is starting to be strong information that, yes, Houston is going to increase his midfield usage in 2020, Jeb. Yeah, and I look, Vossi's a pretty straight shooter. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't 
say there's smoke and mirrors here. And again, let's look at the facts. So when he was playing in the midfield, there was scores of 104, 123, 103, 97, 89. These are pretty good scores as a backman, aren't they? Mm. Um, yeah, look, well, I did say earlier I was on the Burn Jones bandwagon early. Um, but then this recent report in the last few days have come up and it's got me thinking, it's got me thinking if they really stick, stood firm on, on his spot in the midfield, yeah, it's, um, it could pay dividends, especially when we're struggling for our, our, you know, our primo defenders and reiterating again what I said earlier, our cheap primo players in each line so um you know houston if he does turn into eventually into a top six defender um and a must have there's massive value there absolutely huge value um at mid 500 so yeah look he's on the watch list mate it's i'm not sold but i'm not my attention is well and truly on him being able to filter and process information coming out of teams and press conferences is one thing that I uh, treat quite seriously on Twitter at AFO Ratings. Jared Brander didn't even get a mention for me. Dan Houston, uh, that has been given a fair mention. So being able to process it, take it all this information, okay, what is important to our fantasy coaches out there? Sharp fantasy players will know what is important. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, we'll see. We're going to see Houston in the Mars series playing in the midfield. I have no doubt about that. So he's 596 grand worth it. For me, uh, he's definitely high on my watch list uh, for someone to start in the defensive part of the ground. Uh, it's a shame he's not a forward because if he was a forward, I'm struggling for forward locks at the moment. Um, I'd probably chuck it. Uh, he'd be more favourable in the forward line, but he's, he's a defender mid. Uh, moving on to our next topic, uh, we're going to talk some teams and players of notes so far in the preseason. Uh, we'll kick it off by uh, mentioning Chase Jones at the Adelaide Crows and his role. Um, he's mentioned that he would like to play more midfield time. He loves the contested uh, side of the game. He did pop in round 23 last season for 97 points when thrown in the midfield. But at this stage, he's suggesting if there is a role to be played in the midfield, then he'll definitely drive towards it. It's comments coming from Chase Jones himself. I haven't heard anything that much out of the Crows to suggest that Jones will be thrown uh, into the midfield early in the season, but it's just something to take note of. He's keen, um, not too sure, and information has been lacking coming out of the Crows to see if that is all possible early in the season, Jep. Yeah, look, for me, he's. I think he's still going to be a bit inconsistent in his second year of footy. Um, very skillful player, but um, yeah, not not on my watch list at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to Brisbane, Grant Birchall. So far, he is completing a full pre-season. Uh, he hasn't missed a training session at all. Uh, he's been on a modified program early, but he's starting to build up. Is he one player that might interest you early in the year, Jep? He is a mid-pricer that would interest me if a lot of rooks um, aren't, about, aren't going to get a gig in round one. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, moving on to Carlton, Sam petrescu seaton has been identified by assistant coach Dale Amos to spend more time across half-back. Jack Nunes is also in that same situation to also spend more time through the midfield and across half-back. Uh, with Sam Doherty returning, you've got Cade Simpson there as well. Uh, you've got Newman there as well. It's going to be a pretty stacked back line at Carlton, Jep. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, hold on, what about Cade and Newman and obviously Doc? Mm. Oh, yeah, look, I'd, I'll wait and see. I'd, for me, Petrescu seaton doesn't pick, cover all stat lines. He lacks a little bit in the tackling department um, and, the, and the high numbers of possessions. Um, it's a no. Uh, the one there that uh, is interest for me is Newman and what it's going to do to his scoring if those players are starting to head back into his area of the ground. Mm, yeah, good call. Uh, Mark Murphy, uh, he's been dealing with some foot bruising over the preseason. It isn't considered serious, 
but he was on modified training for one to two weeks. Charlie Curnow, what we know of Charlie at the moment, he's been ruled out for the start of the season and he won't be rushed back at all. Uh, moving on to Collingwood, uh, we've got Dane Beams. Uh, obviously, most people would know that he's on indefinite leave from football. Uh, that provides an opening into that midfield at centre bounces, Jep. Yeah, look, it's... Uh, I don't know. It's Collingwood, again, I'm pretty set. I don't think... No disrespect to him. I don't think they missed him too much with their stack midfield. But... Um, yeah, look, he's obviously, he'll put his hand up and it affects other players more than, so would you go with Trelaw if, if Beams is around and Adams is fully fit? It's it's a hard one. Uh, the midfield centre bounce attendances will probably go in the order of Trelaw, Adams, uh, you'll have Sear in there and you'll have uh, Wills. Hopefully Scott Penderbury can spend some more time out of the midfield centre bounce attendances, uh, which can allow for an increase for Sia and also Wills. Uh, Taylor Adams did spend some time on the sidelines with a foot injury. It wasn't considered serious, and he's back in training. Uh, moving on to Essendon, uh, Dyson Heppel has been obviously been dealing with a foot injury. He's starting to integrate back into training at this time, but he's one player that might be limited throughout the early part of the season. Joe Danaher uh, well noted that he is seeking to return to Ireland to have further analysis done on his groins. So that might open up another opportunity in the forward line for the Bombers. Devin Smith, um, he has completed just about a full preseason at this stage. He's returning from knee injury. He's mentioned that he's got his eye on round one return. And he also did mention this week that this is probably the most pre-season he's completed since 2016. He's feeling pretty good, according to Devin Smith himself. He's priced in the mid to high 90s, Jep. Is he some one player that in the forward line that you might consider? Oh, absolutely. I um, Big raps on him. We know what he can do. He loves to tackle and... Um... Yeah, I'll, I'll watch him closely. It's um, and it's comforting to know he's he's doing well on the track. Mitch Hibbard was another player that came up on the radar last week. He had a potential knee injury. He's been cleared of serious damage. Still no word out of the bombers as yet as to what impact that it has for Hibbard. But he's one player that uh, most fantasy coaches will be targeting at a low price. Uh, moving on to Fremantle, the 2020 game style. Uh, Justin Longmuir last week uh, said that he wanted to be safer coming out of the half-back line and the defensive part of the ground. Uh, so he wants to reduce the amount of turnovers and have smoother ball movement. Uh, this is something that caught my attention, Jeb. Is this something that you might be considering looking at a free man or defender for extra plus sixes? Well, the player that I know loves a plus six is, is kind of Blakely. Um who will find himself more often than not behind the ball, even if he does get some midfield time. So, yeah, look, it does interest me. Um, Blakely, again, is one of their better users. So does that equate to a high average for Blakely and, and that accompanied with some higher high midfield or more inside midfield time? It's um, good to see a, a good year out of Blakely. Two words for me, Hayden Young. Oh, yeah, and sorry. For me, Hayden Young is is pretty much behind Marlon Pickett is a, is a lock. I um yeah, and again another great young player who is a good user by foot, so suits well with what Longmuir wants. Another player that's dealing with an injury at Fremantle's David Mundy. Yeah, look, that was a bit of a freak accident, wasn't it? I think he fell off his bike or something along the lines of that. Um, not ideal. Um, they're already thin in the midfield and they're getting thinner. So, again, Michael Walters, I pay more attention to Nat Fife. The burden on that bloke's shoulders this year is going to be massive. Is he taggable? He pretty much isn't, in my opinion. So, yeah, big, big workload to sort of fill at Fremantle with their, with their midfield group. It's an interesting one. Just coming, just on five, he's coming off a shoulder reconstruction as well this preseason. Uh, he's back in training, but still um, spending time in that rehab group. 
Uh, moving on to Gold Coast, Jared Witts has been dealing with a foot injury. He underwent minor surgery, but is expected to be available for round one. Graydon Fiorini popped up in the injury reports over the preseason, dealing with a groin injury. Moving on to Isaac Rankin, he's tracking well towards round one. He might be a rookie option for us, Jep. Yeah, yeah, I think he's he's pretty much um, a, a common you know forward bench spot. He'll be a common forward bench spot this year, and rightfully so. But I reiterate the slow burn and the, on the cash generation side of his um, fantasy game. Moving on to Geelong. We're looking at Jack Stephen and his fitness and role. His fitness is tracking well over the preseason. Uh, late last year when he was playing for St Kilda, obviously he was a little bit overweight and wasn't fully fit to play in the midfield at the Saints. He picked up forward status this year for AFL Fantasy and it's one player that I think will have a high midfield usage rate for the Cats, Jep. Yeah, it just totally depends on how Geelong wants to use Jack Stephen. We, we don't know. We can... It's nice to think that he'll play full-time midfield, but until, you know, last series, we, we pretty much don't know. So, I'd be yeah. Pre- I'd be pretty surprised if he's not solid in that midfield. As, w- as would I, with, with Tim Kelly going out. But, look, you could... John's got a pretty steep list. You could build a case for for a lot of them. You know, I'd, you, know you could put Joel Selwood back in the heart of the... Midfield and in the final series, he absolutely tailed it up. I remember against West Coast in the when they beat West Coast in that mm-hmm. um, semi, he was instrumental, absolutely instrumental in in playing deep in the midfield. So, as much as you know the hype around Jack Stephen is for the forward role, uh, forward spot fantasy, people are forgetting the value that you know Joel Selwood, the seasoned midfielder, and what he can provide as well. Uh, just on Joel Selwood, uh, his uh, minor hamstring surgery. Uh, so he needs to track his the remainder of his preseason uh, into round one. On his role last year, Geelong finished on top of the ladder. That was with Joel Selwood f- playing pretty much as an outside mid- midfielder at centre bounces. So my thinking here on Selwood is that they didn't want to smash him and they wanted to have him ready for the finals. So throughout the home and away season, he did start on the outside. That is one thing that I think uh, Chris Scott will do again is to not smash him during the home and away season to make sure he is prime and ready to go in the finals. And let's remember, Geelong were were three to four goals at halftime in the prelim final against Richmond. So it nearly worked. So my thinking here is Chris Scott will actually do that again, Jeff. Yeah, I, mate, I didn't think of that. You've, that's a very, very good point. Um, yeah, no, very, very good point. Good job. I, um, you've got, yeah, you've got me thinking. I, I and do, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I actually agree with the strategy that you just suggested. Yeah, I, ju- I just think um, most people, uh, if Selwood is going to be dealing with that hamstring injury late into the preseason. Most people won't select Selwood and they might get lucky not selecting him based on an injury. But I, I suspect for me, it's that he's going to be playing on the outside so he doesn't get smashed again throughout the home and away season. Because let's look at the previous couple of years before last year, Geelong were, they did, they did fail in, in finals and you know their prime players actually started to falter towards the end. And obviously Chris Scott's goal and Geelong's goal is to win a premiership. So... What better way to do that than have Selwood ready and primed in the finals? Yep, it's um, it's a solid uh, solid approach. I um, I think Joel will find himself in the inside at times, obviously, and his his scores might be a bit of a roller coaster ride this year. But um, yeah, it's I, I like the theory on protecting the tough nut that he is and he's caught the battering in his career thus far. It's a pity this hamstring issue came up because mm-hmm. I always, he was not even close to being on my watch list sold. Um, he's been talked up in, in many different circles, but for me, he's a massive fade. Yeah, okay. Uh, another player that has come up on the injury list for uh, AFL Fantasy perspective is uh, Tom Stewart. Um, he's been dealing with a groin issue and is currently in a rehab group. GWS Giants, last year they 
dealt with a pretty unhealthy list and still made the grand final. At this stage, their numbers are quite healthy and they have plenty out on the track. Uh, this is according to Josh Kelly. Our numbers out on the track at the moment are probably the best they've been in years. So that's p positive news coming out of the Giants and that might start to steer you in a direction of Cornelio, Kelly, uh, back to Taranto, obviously Whitfield. Uh, the Giants score high jep, so that's something that we should be paying close attention to here. Yeah, and when they're all up and about, they all share the ball pretty bloody well, don't they? So, I mm -hmm. um, oh, look, they're a top forward side, absolutely no doubt. If they can maintain, um, you know, the key position health of their players, like Phil Davis, um, Jez Cameron, um, even Himmelberg and Sam Taylor, the, the less likes of this in that 22, um, if they can maintain that spine, look out, they're going to be bloody good. Over to the Hawks, Jack Gunston dealing with an angle injury. He underwent surgery uh, during the preseason, uh, and he'll be sidelined until early February. Something to keep an eye on there for potential disruption into the Hawthorne forward line early in the season. Over to Melbourne, the list health. Let's Let me quote Darren Burgess here. Uh, so far this year, one of the real positives has been that we've had 38, 39, 40 guys on track each session. Uh, that is early in the pre-season. Uh, the Demons are tracking well to rebound this year, Jeb. Well, look, they can't go worse than what they did last year. So um, new new players in that 22, new, new goals. Um, they know what they can achieve, just how bad they want it and... I think um, in terms of fantasy, it's a bit... Um, I'm not going to go down the Brayshaw path again after last year and getting scorned. Mm -hmm. um, he's on my Never Again list. Um, and other than that, there's not really a lot other than Gorn, obviously, that, that sort of tickles me fancy over there at mm -hmm. Melbourne. I guess if a team is going to be rebound in a strong fashion and, and in 2018 they were a strong scoring fantasy team, we might start to look at some players that, that might show some potential to score well for us. Uh, one of those players that has popped up on the radar for news is Christian Petrarca. He hasn't shown a fantasy ceiling as yet throughout his career, but he's been working through the midfield group. And hopefully, uh, according to Demons assistant coach Ben Matthews, that he plays a lot of footy there this year. Petrarca hasn't shown a ceiling, Jep. Is this something that could alter your thinking on him this year? Nah, not really. I, I don't think he's an accumulator. He's an impact player. It's his, his power is his, his asset. Um, you know, for fantasy, we need the players that are going to get 25 minimum possessions a game, and I don't think he's that player, mate. Mm -hmm. um, moving over to Port Adelaide. Uh, obviously, Tom Rockliffe with the shoulder reconstruction is pretty much doing everything in training this year. Um, he suggested that he'll be right by round one. Uh, any chance going back to Rocky this year, Jeb? Very big chance. Why not? I'd like to know three reasons why not to pick Rocky. If he's got a hindered shoulder problem, he's had shoulder problems for years and he can still tackle, as long as he can still tackle, um, why wouldn't we pick him? Mm -hmm. Ken Inkley has suggested that he expects uh, Miles Bergman Miss Georgiatis and Dylan Williams to play in 2020. Uh, Bergman, that might be someone that we might be need to be paying attention to, Jep. Yeah, look, we touched on this in, a, in another podcast with, with the Port Adelaide strategy. I think playing the Rooks they did in 2019, um, being Dersma, Rosie, Butters, etc., um, their sort of blueprint for, for the, the short term is to play these high-quality kids and and they need to continue on with that in a slower introduction. Um, I think they'll play Miles Bergman. I think he is going to be very prominent this year. I don't think he's going to be a great fantasy scorer, but I think he'll definitely um, be playing games. So who, who accompanies Miles Bergman, if anyone? Um, I think Port Adelaide have to play one or two more kids to to carry on with what they did last year and their strategy for the for the short to well, short to long term future of the Port Adelaide Football Club. 
positive news out of the Saints uh, on Max King, as a Brett Ratton has suggested that they were, they're going to get as many games into him this year as possible. Um, he's a key position player, Jet, but he's someone we could stash on our bench early in the season in the forward line. Slow burn F8 if we're desperate. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Moving on to the Swans. Uh, last year, Isaac Heaney had to deal with an angle injury at the end of preseason. It did impact his scores early in the season and where he played. Uh, John Longmire suggested that um, uh, he's a real threat and whether he's playing in the front half or inside midfield, uh, that he'll be a solid contributor again this year. Is Heaney the, someone that you want to go back to in the forward line, Jeff? Oh, look. Again, like much like Brayshaw, he's probably scarred me a bit over last year and the and previous seasons. Mm. I he's got a he's gonna he's pretty much the role he played last year for Sydney will be the role again. He's too good overhead not to chuck him in the forward fifty to snag a goal or two. Mm. But it, he's just again like he we need accumulators as our fantasy player, and he's not one to guaranteedly lock 25 minimum possessions a game. He's not, you can't rely on Heaney for those big possession numbers. Um, even big number marks, like the uncontested marks, you know, he's a pack marker and for good reason because of his amazing skill. Um, but, you know. Uh, another player that has suffered an injury uh, over the preseason is Lance Franklin. He underwent arthroscopic surgery this week and he's expected to spend several weeks on the sidelines and that he is a potential to miss round one and miss early games in the season. Uh, he's underpriced this year, but obviously through with that knee injury, uh, that is one player that we're going to have to avoid early in the season. Uh, moving on to West Coast, multiple questions asked at um, players and coaches regarding Tim Kelly. Uh, the most common answer we've got out of the West Coast Eagles is he's going to be spending time in the midfield and at half forward. Is that how you see that? Yeah, look, we're we're pretty stacked and in in the midfield now with Tim. Um, he's obviously Ruck Rover Prime, number first and foremost, alongside Shuey, um, and then yeah, he'll rotate in the half forward line to. Snag a goal or two at certain times of each game, but um, look, he's still predominantly a midfielder. Yo, Redden and Shuey in the midfield. Kelly out in the wing or at half forward flank. Gaff on the other wing. And Sheed, he's potentially the player that's going to miss out here for points. Yeah, I think Sheed definitely suffers, but I don't. I think Kelly is more of an insider than an outside mid. Mm. I, um, uh, Redden or Red Dog, as I call him, um, played a bit of in and out last year. He did play, surprisingly, a lot more than I'd seen him on the wing last year. So um, it's all about being flexible, isn't it? Especially with Adam Simpson and his mantra. Um, but they've got to have, they've got to take their opportunities when and play their roles and make an impact, no matter what where they're playing. Um, but yeah, Tim Kelly's fantasy scores. I don't think there'll be three figures this year. Uh, that's the one thing that Jeff and I will be doing throughout each week of the uh, 2020 season is identifying role changes, attending players that attend centre bounces and to start to notice any differences from week to week so we can be ahead of the game and be ahead of our opposition. Your thoughts there, Jeff? Oh, it's critical, isn't it? You know, it's it's where, we, where we're going to, you know, jag some value and, and Fremantle, is just one team I'm is for all the roles available in that 22. Not um, new coach, a lot of um, a lot of experience gone, got, you know, either departed or, or injured with the broken leg to Mundy. So how they line up around one? Like we could well see Walters on the ball round one. It would not surprise me. So and he's a beautiful. People forget how good a user Walters is by foot. Um, so, oh, just, yeah, we've got to track all of it, um, and, and identify the value, absolutely. Another bit of news that popped up late today was, um, on Harley Bennell, uh, when Nat Fife was interviewed on radio, he suggested that the Demons will be up against it, or will have a tough task, 
from a fitness perspective, getting Harley Bennell right. Uh, he's one player that will be underpriced to start the season. He has yet to be signed under the pre-season signing arrangements with the AFL. Uh, is he one player that you might uh, show some interest in, Jeb? Oh, look, if he improves his fitness, it would be pretty hard to not go with him, especially um, with Rooks, uh, rookie price players lacking in value. But, um, yeah, we, you definitely consider it. We don't know what his price is going to be, mm. but um, you'd, you'd assume it would be 200 grand or less. So, um, definitely, definitely. If he, pro- But he's got to prove his fitness and... Yeah, and then somewhat have a role for him in, in Melbourne's 22, which is probably going to be on the half-forward line if I'm uh, an outsider looking in and not putting in too much thought into it. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out, but I'm not holding my breath, mate. I guess the first indicator that he is tracking quite well it would be if Melbourne did sign him. But obviously, if we have any consideration for him at round one or early in this season, that we need to be tracking every piece of news coming out of the Melbourne Football Club on Bunnell. Oh, of course. Yep. Yep. It's just value that um, is not falling off the trees, unfortunately. There's not a whole lot of cheaper rooks putting their hand up. It's, we, we want to spend the least amount in our rook department, um, and Bunnell would tick that box. All good. Uh, before we close this podcast, if you would like a chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link out there that is sent on Twitter. Uh, we'll give a few away towards the end of the preseason. On that note, we'll wrap up this podcast. Jeppa, any final words? No, just keep the spreadsheets flowing. Keep let's get. Um, we're going to get some more news, more AFL news through our our uh, social channels and TVs and the like. So. Keep an eye on it all, and um, yeah, happy fantasy planning. Uh, just a shout out to the listeners out there. The numbers have been actually overwhelming. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in, and for the short term at least, goodbye. See ya.